Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chapel, and we are coming to you again via the power of the internet as the pandemic is keeping us out of our recording studio. But nonetheless, we have a good show on tap for you today. We're going to discuss the Colts' letdown of a loss to the Titans. Um, we'll talk about takeaways from that game, some key injuries, and what the loss means for Indianapolis's playoff chances. But before we get into that, Mike, we'll get into something much, much more important. Punter Rigoberto Sanchez revealed today, Monday, that he will undergo surgery Tuesday to address a cancerous tumor. Uh, on his social media post, Sanchez wrote, quote, so grateful to be surrounded by doctors that helped me catch the cancerous tumor before it spread all over my body. He also said how he has the support of his amazing wife, along with his family, coaches, friends reaching out and of course Mike this isn't the first time the Colts in the Indianapolis community has seen one of their boys in blue and white fight the cancer battle and I have no doubt that everyone will rally around uh, Rigoberto Sanchez just like they did Pagano but it's really unfortunate for a guy who by all accounts is you know a plus character and is really an excellent player on the field for the Colts as well yeah this is one that you sort of have to separate into two categories one is you know, Rigo is individual, and it's just it's just an awful situation. And young kid, I think he's 26 and married. So, and by all accounts, they they caught this early. So hopefully that uh, they'll do treatment, whatever that is. You know, they remove the tumor, and then there'll be some kind of treatment. I would assume. Uh, and 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 he'll, barring anything, you would think he would come back next year and be fine. You just you just don't know, and you can't project. On the football level, I mean, it, it's just another hit. And again, we have to make sure it's saying we're on the football level because you, you've got to separate the two. But, you know, the team has to go on like it did with Jonathan Taylor and Danico Autry and DeForest Buckner being on the COVID list and Ryan Kelly being out. And, you know, this is this is one of the top punters in the league that you've got to replace. And, and what can't be forgotten also, he's your holder on field goals. So not only are you trying to find a, will you find a new punter, but either that guy or one of your quarterbacks needs to be the holder. And that's, that's not a simple, that's just not, oh, we'll put another guy in there. You know, and I've got to believe that this is something the Colts have had uh, an indication might be the case. This just didn't hit them on Friday or Saturday. They, they, they've had to have known that this was a possibility that he had concerns. And so if that's the case, if, and I think that is the case. Chris Ballard has to have had something, you know, plan B in, in the works, at least in his head. What we have to keep in mind is that in this COVID world, you don't sign a guy on Monday and he's on your team on Tuesday. He's got to go through the COVID protocols where however many, whether that's two or three negative tests. And I'm wondering if, if they could have already started that. I don't know how that works, whether you can, start that without putting in a claim on a player or a sign a player or not, but there will be a new punter in here by the end of the week. And you would think that guy's also going to be your holder, which again, it impacts two areas of your special teams. But, but first and foremost, we're hoping for speedy recovery and, and, and nothing super serious for Rigo because he's just a great kid. Yeah, it was certainly, you know, as, as disheartening as that news is, um, I was definitely encouraged to see that the doctors caught the tumor before it spread. That's a huge deal. And then hopefully 
you know, he'll be able to recover and move on to playing football and enjoying normal, quote-unquote, normal life um, as much as possible as he did before the diagnosis. But certainly very unfortunate, and Hart's prayers go out to Sanchez and uh, his entire family there. Um, some more news around the NFL now. The 49ers are going to play their next two home games at the Cardinals Stadium in Arizona after Santa Clara County announced on Saturday that new COVID-19 related restrictions are going to prevent contact sports in the county for at least the next three weeks. Um, This is really kind of the first time we've seen this COVID-19 related. We've kind of seen similar things um, with the 49ers as far as fires in California before, Um, but certainly the, the pandemic continuing to impact the league. And it does with the Ravens and Steelers saga as well. The game is still in jeopardy. Originally scheduled for Thanksgiving Day, moved to Sunday, moved again to Tuesday because positive tests kept popping up. The NFL's really pushing the limits as far as what they're going to continue to play games through. They made the Broncos play on Sunday with no quarterback. Um, I believe it was an undrafted rookie wide receiver that they called up from the practice squad to be their gunslinger in that game. Um Will the season be finished kind of no matter what? At what point does the league call it off? I don't think the NFL really even knows at this point. They're just kind of taking it step by step and seeing how things go. But, Mike, there's been a lot of COVID running through the league recently. Uh, Colts are being impacted. The Ravens, maybe more than any other team, are being impacted. What are just your thoughts and your uh, feeling as far as the season being continued to be played pretty close to normal? Yeah, pretty close to normal. That's a relative term. Uh, I, I, it's obvious they're going to do whatever reason to, to to push on. At some point, can they do that? And you know, by the time we're done and later tonight, the Ravens game could could be postponed. Uh, I, I think the whole thing there is, if there are more positive tests, I don't see how they play because now you're talking, you know, infection possibilities in the game. Uh, so, so it was kind of crazy. I'm sort of mixed on the Denver game, how it's totally, you know, it it goes against competitive advantage when you're making a team play without their quarterbacks. Uh, yet they're without their quarterbacks because their quarterbacks were knuckleheads. So they brought this on themselves. But having said that, I mean, don't you think that teams that, you know, like the saints didn't, didn't sort of enjoy going against a guy who, who had been a quarterback since what college and, and what about teams chasing the Saints in the standings so uh, I, I see it both ways I, I, I just can't get past the feeling that maybe maybe shut down for a week let this thing sort of settle down and to me what makes so much sense and and they won't do it is shut it down for a week. We talked about this on the Blue Zone uh, yesterday on Sunday. Is shut it down for a week and then come back and have players hold up in a hotel, rent out a hotel, and 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 then you even more control over who's in contact with with whom at home. You know, you're only talking two months. I realize that's a long time to be away from your family, but but. This is a special circumstance, and, and we're, we're talking 
a billion dollar business. Uh, I was always surprised, like in training camp, when the Colts and other teams weren't in their normal hotel, like like they had been in previous training camps, and there were there were collective bargaining issues that went into that. But failing that, I just don't know how there aren't going to be postponed games. I just I don't see how because what what what's going on now is the NFL is mirroring the nation with the rising infections and in mind that these players go home we, we talk about this every week players go home at night philip rivers goes home to his wife and nine kids and those kids and the wife have, have probably to some degree been out in the community and jonathan taylor uh as much as we know he's a high risk because of, of contact with someone outside the complex so it, it, it's it's it shouldn't be a surprise we're going to find out what the NFL stress level is, whether that whether it's going to result in a week week eighteen, a week nineteen. You know, if, if a team misses two games, then it's two weeks you need at the end of the season. And uh, I, I just I like to see the prop bet in Vegas right now on teams playing sixteen games in a seventeen week season. I just don't see how that's going to happen with how this is going. And the Colts have been sort of fortunate until this last week and in, in the, it's, it's almost a roll of the dice on which of your players are impacted, you know, it, for the Colts to lose their best defensive, most impactful defensive player in, in Buckner, their top pass rusher in the Nico Autry and Jonathan Taylor. That's not, that's not like losing your number three linebacker or your nickel corner or whatever. Uh, so it's, it's like a roll of the dice on, on who's going to be, uh, contract a virus so we'll see but th- this is this is a developing story that's i i don't know how it eases anytime soon because of it, it nationwide it's not easing yeah it, it doesn't look like the nfl is going to be able to continue how it is currently operating and finish the season uh, i gotta say i do like your idea of kind of take a week off um, test the players, kind of let things settle, and then get at, get teams in a hotel where they can kind of control their environment a little bit and just say, listen, we got another month or two left in the season. Let's make this sacrifice and let's, let, you know, millions of dollars here. If the NBA can do it as far as players, you know, making the sacrifice and being away from their families, I think the NFL could do it as well. Uh, it's certainly going to be fascinating to see what does happen and transpire for the rest of the season. On to the Colts here. We'll get into the game recap. The 7-3 and three Titans at the 7-3 and three Colts for the top spot in the AFC South. As you mentioned, Mike, the Colts were without several of their top players, including Buckner, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Danico Autry, Bobby Okariki. They were all out in this one, either through injury or COVID-19. And from the first drive, you could tell that the Colts were in trouble. The Titans marched 75 yards on 10 plays, led by Derrick Henry, who capped off the drive with a 12-yard touchdown, uh, run, pass, you know, catch or run, whatever you want to call it. He scored, and Henry had 46 yards from scrimmage on that first drive alone. But the Colts would respond, a little Hines, a little Wilkins, a little Burton, and they go 75 yards on 12 plays. It ended in an 11-yard Burton touchdown. On third down, really a terrific catch by Burton. We're all tied up at seven. 
again, Titans, next drive. They hit one of those big plays that we were kind of warned about in our preview show last week. A.J. Brown, 69-yard touchdown. He just caught a slant pass and darted through the Colts' defense. Uh, he makes plays like that almost every week. He, he is a stud at receiver. And uh, they were Colts were kind of lucky in the first meeting where he dropped a long touchdown. Not so much in this meeting. Just like that, the Titans are back up by seven. But the Colts were, would respond again and again. A lot of Hines and Burton. Six plays, 75-yard drive. Uh, capped off with a one-yard Jacoby Brissett touchdown run. 14-14 ball game. And my, I think the Colts are going to keep utilizing Brissett in that short yardage game. You know, early in the season, they had a lot of struggles in short yardage situations. And recently, it's been clear that Brissett is their best short yardage option. He's strong. Um, he, you know, because he's not taking step backs and handing off, that's less of an opportunity for the defense to get a push. And, you know, the only bad news about that play, before we move on here, how do you think, what are your feelings on how Brissett has been utilized recently by the Colts in the short yardage game and on critical situations, goal line, third and short, and fourth and short? And this is what they anticipated. They they talked about in the offseason about packages for, for Brissett, and it didn't happen early. Remember the very first game they tried it on at the goal line and he got sacked? And they sort of got away from it, but it's kind of clear that he's going to, he's going to be the third and one, third and two, fourth and one guy. He gives you, he gives you what Rivers doesn't. Rivers is not a threat. It's ten on eleven in third in third and short with him on the field. And that's not a knock on Rivers. It's just different styles. You know, I I I would prefer having Philip Rivers be my quarterback for the long course of a game than Brissett. But but in situations. It's a perfect way of doing it. You know, what we haven't seen yet is is him, you know, faking the, 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 the handoff or the run pass and dropping back and throwing it because I'm telling you, people are sucking up so so much now that somebody's going to be wide open on a big play. So that's going to happen. So I, I like the way they're doing it, and it's not it's not going to go away. I know how much more they can use it other than four or five times a game. I don't know. But right now it's working, and. You stick with it until you see that it doesn't work. Yeah, they're going to stick with it until they, you know, other teams can stop it. And the other thing about it, you know, I think sometimes with certain quarterbacks, teams don't want to run the quarterback sneak or whatever because they don't want to risk their starting quarterback becoming injured. Not that they are fine with Brissett getting injured, but you have less of a concern with your backup guy who you only use, you know, six, seven, eight plays a game. Uh so on that touchdown, the bad news is that left tackle Anthony Costanzo, that was his last play of the game. He would leave with a knee injury. From that point on, it was all a Raven Clark. And from that point on, it was a rough day for the horseshoe. The next six drops, punt, 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 interception. Meanwhile, yeah, punts were pretty good, weren't they? They were pretty good. They were good punts. The interception. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how can it get worse than five straight punts? Oh, an interception. Uh, but meanwhile, during that same time, Derrick Henry ran in two more touchdowns, and Ryan Tannehill rushed in one of his own. Uh, at halftime, the Titans had scored 35 points. The Colts, after scoring, uh, tying it up at 14-14 to in the first quarter, they did not score again until there was 13 minutes and 23 seconds left in the fourth quarter. When Brissett ran in another touchdown to make it 38 to 20, 
the two-point attempt uh, failed. A little later in the fourth quarter, T.Y. Hilton scored his first touchdown of the season with about two and a half left. The Colts, again, could not convert the two-point conversion. And then just for good measure, A.J. Brown returned the Colts' onside kick attempt for a touchdown, making the final score 45-26. to Mike, the Colts' defense did not show up on this one. Uh, as you kind of detailed in your article on Fox 59 and CBS4Indy.com, the Colts' third-ranked run defense was absolutely pulverized by Derrick Henry, who accounted for 178 of the Titans' 229 rushing yards. That's now three straight 100-yard games for Henry against Matt Eberflus's defense. And no other back since Eberflus took over in 2018 has even hit 100 yards. So by all accounts, Derrick Henry is a Colt killer. Uh, the defense gave up a touchdown on five of the Titans' first six possessions. They yielded season highs in points with 45 total yards with 449 rushing yards, 229 as I had mentioned, and first downs with 28. And Mike, you brought up a key stat there. The 30 points at home was just the second time in franchise history that the Colts had allowed that many points during a home game by halftime. The first time was in 1985. So Where were you in 1985? I wasn't even a twinkle <laughs> in my dad's eye yet. <laughs> uh, not a whole lot. Um, it, you also noted that the Titans scored their most points and enjoyed their most lopsided victory in the series. Uh, after the game, head coach Frank Wright said, quote, obviously a tough loss, came in here feeling confident, feeling prepared was just very poor effort. Got outplayed, got outcoached really in all three phases. Mike, the defense had gotten off to slow starts before, but without a couple of their, I mean, really, no Buckner, no Autry, no pass rush kind of for Indianapolis. They weren't able to get it together like they had, or at least not in time. I, I, I guess anyone who wondered whether or not they overpaid to get DeForest Buckner, you say no. Number 13th or the 13th overall pick and a $84 million extension. And I guess your question is, does he mean that much to your defense? I mean, you know, they, they've made it clear that the three technique drives this defense. And they, they were never this bad without him. They were never this bad without him. But the problem you have is on top of that, you, you, you don't have Danico Autry. Bobby Okariki didn't play. So I still think this is a team that's got depth, good depth, but all of a sudden you're you're having three backup players play extensive times. So and again, back backups are backups for a reason. They just are. And I saw some people were taking shots at Grover Stewart. Well, you know, you give him the big money and look, this is what he's like. Well, no, this is what he's like when you don't have that stud guy next to him. So uh, I, the deeper you go on, on your depth chart, the more you see why guys are backups. And it, it, it's, if, it, if that's a criticism of the backups, fine. LaRaven Clark, th this team is 2-11 two and, two and 11 when Costanzo doesn't start at left tackle. And, uh, and it's only reasonable to expect him to miss a game or two. And then you got Danny Pinner playing center. He's not a center. He's a... He's, he, he's a what was he at Ball State? A tight end, tackle, guard, and, and so and now they've turned him into a center out of necessity. So in Jonathan Taylor, they had two running backs yesterday, Hines and Wilkins, and at, at one point Wilkins was banged up with ribs. 
So, you know, it, you, you need to have more depth. And I, I would agree that if you want to criticize Ballard and his staff for anything, it's not having better a better tackle option than Chaz Green and Arlene Clark. That That's legit. That's totally legit. Elsewhere, I don't know how you, you, you prepare for having the losses that you have on the defensive line when you, you, you don't, how do you prepare to, you can't have a, DeForest Buckner, you know, level player to, to, to replace DeForest Buckner. It didn't, didn't work that way. So it, it's, it, we're going to see if they can overcome this to get these guys back. Maybe Buckner, if he's asymptomatic, I think he can come back, I think Saturday. Uh, Danico Autry clearly was having symptoms or he would have been activated this week. And, and Jonathan Taylor, if, if, if all he is is high risk, maybe Frank Wright, then he can be back on the roster, whatever five days is from Saturday, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, but you deal with this, and, and it's just clear that the people at the positions they lost, the people they put in to replace them, weren't good enough. And, and Frank will give us all the will or even one in there. Even Philip Rivers said, well, you know, those guys fought their tails off up front. Well, fine. But they also are getting their butts kicked up front on both sides of the ball. There were times when Derrick Henry ran, he didn't get contacted until he got to the linebackers. So that's, that's, it, it's, it's not, it, their reasons, those were reasons why they weren't effective, but they can't be excuses. Cause once you start making excuses, you've lost the battle. So, uh, Guys are backups for a reason, but they've got to come up and play better than they did on Sunday. Yeah, a lot of people I've seen on Twitter are saying, well, the Titans were missing several of their, you know, key players, too. They lost their left tackle, Lawan, and then the replacement for him and Ty Sambrejo. But I would just, if you just look at the quality of the players that the Colts had to play without, if you had to name the Colts' top five players on their roster, just about any list would have Buckner, Costanzo and Kelly in the Colts top five, uh, arguably at, at very least top six or seven, uh, which is huge. And I, I think the Jonathan Taylor losing him, you know, would it have mattered as much? The Colts were down 35 to 14. They probably would have passed the ball anyway with Naheem Hines. I mean, I think that was a big reason that they had a, a season low, I think 56 rushing yards on the day is they had to kind of abandon the run to a certain extent, and just passed the ball. Um, but missing Taylor, he he was a big reason they won the Packers game because he was able to run the ball in the second half. So we will keep you updated on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone, on all this ever-evolving uh, situation and information that will be coming out over the next several days about the Colts' positive tests, the injuries, not just to Costanzo, but to Kelly, too. Um, Kelly's kind of been dealing with the neck for, I think this isn't the first week he's dealt with the neck. Yeah. I believe he played the week previous through it. He, he um, missed a couple snaps against the Packers. I assume that's what it was about. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed for the Colts sake, it's only a one week absence and he can come back and play. Um, but I mean, you don't want to mess around too much with your neck. That's a serious deal. And the Colts are going to do everything for the players best interest so definitely a disappointing loss for indianapolis there hopefully we don't go ahead before we change the topic you you brought up and it's interesting we we were talking in the press box about the most not 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 the best colts 
So we were talking the most indispensable cults. If you if you had your list of your top five, I've always argued, and I will till hell freezes over, that my number one player is Costanzo. In a lot, of, again, they're two and eleven without him, and there's such a drop off between he and Raven Clark, and even last year between he and Joe Hager, whoever it would have been. But if I had to do my top four or five, Costanzo's one with a bullet. I I didn't have Philip Rivers number two, but maybe I would because he's a quarterback, and I'm not sure what you can do as much with Brissett. Number three is Kelly. DeForest, or, uh, DeForest uh, Buckner. And then number four to me is Ryan Kelly. Uh, and, and it's crazy because if you want to say, although he's not playing like that now, but your best player, if you look from the, if, if team were looking at the Colts and who's your, who's their best player, it might be Quentin Nelson. And again, we can argue about a guard being your, but he's a two-time All-Pro. He's obviously not right. I, I think he's hurt. I think he was on the injury report with a back and a neck or whatever it was. He's not playing at a high level. On the offensive line, I, I, I would rather play, again, I, Kelly or uh, Costanzo's one, Kelly's two, as far as who you don't want to play without, and then Quentin's third. But uh, and so you're missing, you know, top five players. And to think that, that they could just compensate and go on was crazy. And I picked them to win, so I was crazy. But uh, it, it's just, again, I go back to the same thing. Guys are backups for a reason. Seldom do you have Pro Bowl quality players as a backup. And that's certainly, certainly the case with the Colts. Yeah. you know, I had this discussion even before the Colts game on Saturday. You know, someone who wasn't a big fan of the Philip Rivers signing, kind of talking about, man, the Colts got to draft somebody this year. They got to draft their quarterback this year. And I reminded them that Anthony Casanzo is not going to be around for that much longer. I would rather see the Colts go one more year with the over-the-hill Phillip Rivers, but a solid left tackle, you know, a good replacement at left tackle, than draft a rookie and say, good luck with Raven Clark protecting your blind side. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. We have plenty of time to talk about the Colts draft uh, in the offseason because there are still playoffs to get to here. And... They, the Colts just squandered an incredible opportunity in the pursuit of their first AFC South title since 2014. Mike, you noted that they entered the game as the AFC's fourth seed and division front runner, runner, a win over the Titans, and they had a 91% chance to reach the playoffs and an 83% chance to win the AFC South. Now, the odds dip to 53% to make the postseason, 14% to win the division, and that's all according to 538.com. If Indy is able to win its next two games on the road, Sunday versus Houston, and then December 13th at Las Vegas, the playoffs odds bounce back up to 91%. Uh, those will both be huge, not only just in their win-loss column, but the Raiders are one of the team that they're fighting with for wild-card spot. And a huge tiebreaker that's working against the Colts right now is their Divisional record. Uh, they're one and two in the division after losses now to Tennessee and Jacksonville. So beating Houston not only is important just for pure wins and losses, but also that tiebreaker. They need that as well. Currently, they're at the AFC's seven seed behind the eight and three Browns, the seven and four Dolphins, uh, and the four division leaders, of course. They're one spot ahead of the six and four Baltimore Ravens, 
Baltimore Ravens, who may or may not play the Steelers tomorrow night. Mentioned the undefeated Steelers are down the line on the schedule as well. It's certainly not over for the Colts, and if the NFL does postpone a game and they add an extra playoff spot, extend it to eight, that would help them as well. But this was a big chance to win the division, the easiest, simplest path to the playoffs, and it's going to be a lot harder for here. They're going to have to hope that the Titans lose some games. Yeah, we were talking again before the game on on, on the pregame, and this was a chance to sort of reestablish yourself as the AFC South goes through Indy. You know, because that, that had been the case for so many years during the Manning era and the early Luck era. And now that's not been the case. It's been Houston. It's been Tennessee was, I think they won a few years ago as well. But it was, you'd like to have seen them again. You'd like to see them make a better effort. I, I just, it, it's just, it was surprising to see them get pummeled like they did. And it was such an opportunity because had they won, like I said, 91% to make it. You'd really had to have do, done some strange things to not make the playoffs. And now, again, you look at this with, with Tennessee, with Cleveland's in a good spot. Miami has, has got a tough road to go. And Vegas, like I said, if, if you can find a way to win at Houston, who's all of a sudden playing pretty well. Deshaun Watson's been playing well all season. But now the rest of the team's playing. Uh, he, he's lifting them up as well. So all of a sudden, in my mind, you're almost looking at, well, if you split with Houston – lose this and win at home, you win, you you beat Jacksonville, that's nine wins for you. You probably need to get that 10th win. And that's where the Vegas game comes in because I I don't see them going to Pittsburgh right now in, in getting a job done. Not, again, not knowing Costanzo's situation that far down the road, but all Sunday was was a major opportunity missed, and you hope it doesn't come back to bite him in the rear end before it's all said and done. Yeah, and I guess I guess one thing that does work in the Colts' favor is several several of the teams they're competing with for playoff chances have games against each other. I know the Raiders and the uh, Dolphins play next week. The Titans and Browns play each other. Um, the Titans for the rest of the season have the Browns, Jaguars, Lions, Packers, and then they end their regular season at Houston. Uh, so there's a couple tough games in there. Um, Lions, Jaguars, not so much. But who knows? Those divisional games can get weird. I know the Jaguars played them tough the first time this year. So well, we'll just have look, to see about you that. My, you look at Miami. Uh, they've got Cincinnati this week. But then they got Kansas City, New England, at Vegas, and at Buffalo. So it's, it's a tough finish for them. Uh, but but that, that's why you get, what, what you don't want to be doing in, in the end of December is saying, well, if we do this, we need three things to happen. I'm not saying that's what it's going to end up. It could very well be if the Colts do what they could, you know, bounce back and get their act together again, then it, you, you could have things pretty well in your own hands near the end of the season. But again, we'll, we'll beat this to death all week. They could have really taken all the guesswork out of it, most of the guesswork out of it, with the win on Sunday, which certainly didn't happen. And we'll talk a lot more about the uh, Colts' upcoming game against the on-fire Deshaun Watson and Houston Texans on Thursday when Dave joins us for our preview show. So be sure to look out for that. Uh, before we kind of wrap things up here, though, let's look at, take a look at the injuries. I know besides Anthony Costanzo, we're waiting to hear back about Ryan Kelly. Uh, hopefully Bobby Okariki can recover from his ankle injury and get back on the field. I saw that safety Kari Willis left the game with a backslash quad injury. 
Do we have any kind of update on him, Mike? We're still waiting on Frank Wright. Still waiting on Frank, and we'll see if he gets. Normally, we don't get a lot of details from Frank on these. It's you know we'll monitor it during the week and see. So, and again, it's it, it's just it's what happens in the NFL. You lose players, and you have to adjust to it. It's just when you keep losing. Again, this is another top end player that they've got. It's going to call somebody else up to have to play. And again, on top of that, we didn't get into it because there was so much else, but. Rocky has seen, I mean, holy smokes. Uh, he, 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 it was one of his worst games, probably his worst game since Denver last year. And you cannot have your starting corner getting burned by Brown. Penalties. And uh, at one point, he was replaced by T.J. Carey in the, uh, in the starting lineup. So it's, it's just compounded everything. Yeah, he, he really seemed to get a little heated and lose his cool there for a little while in that game. They had to sit him on the bench, sit him down. Rock seems like one of those guys who every every few games, he'll give up a little something, and he'll have a rough one. And although I do like him in a lot, and I think in most of the time he's a average to above average starting corner in the NFL that would start on just about any team, I'm not sure if his great games really make up for his bad games. It's not like you see those games where he has two picks and three knocks. I mean, his good games, he just plays good coverage, and, and that's excellent, which you want out of your starting corners. But, man, when he has those dud games, they really hurt the defense. But um, just to end things on a positive note, I will say we vintage T.Y. Hilton on Sunday. Yeah, it came a lot of it came in garbage time, but – 81 yards and a touchdown. That's the most we've seen out of Hilton in a while. So it was good to see number 13 back in the end zone. And uh, we'll we'll end it there. We'll end it on a light positive note on the Colts Blue Zone. So, and again, my name is Joe Hopkins for Mike Chapel. This has been the Colts Blue Zone. Follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel51. Again, you can follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. And that's going to do it for us today. Be sure to join us on Thursday as we hope that the Colts can turn things around against the other division foe, Houston Texans. <laughs>